Welcome to Psych Talk. I am your host, Jessica Lee, a licensed clinical psychologist. It is my mission to motivate, inspire, and educate you on everything psychology, mental health, and self-growth. Although topics discussed on this podcast are similar to therapy, Psych Talk is not a replacement for therapy and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Whether you are a mental health professional or student in the social science field, are interested in psychology and mindset shifts, or are just interested in gaining skills and knowledge to grow into the best version of yourself, this podcast is for you. My hope is to provide you with knowledge and skills that you can implement in your daily life that add up to make a big impact. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to Psych Talk and I am so excited for you to join me for today's episode. Today I have a very special guest with me, Dr. Jamie Zuckerman, who is a licensed clinical psychologist and narcissistic abuse relationship coach. Jamie, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. So can you introduce yourself a little bit about your background and what you do? Sure. Um, So Dr. Jamie Zuckerman, I am a licensed clinical psychologist. Uh, I have a private practice in um, right outside of Philadelphia, work with adults, anxiety, depression, relationship issues. um, And I also have a specialty in narcissistic abuse. abuse. So I work with... um, people who are either with a narcissist trying to get out of the relationship or are out of the relationship on the other side experiencing post-separation abuse um, and work with them to you know navigate that that dynamic and how to get out safely and then how to just kind of regroup afterwards um, and so I work with people virtually um, for, coaching purposes, give them strategies, give them skills. Um, and yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> that That's all. <laughs> no. That's so, all. That's it. That, that's it. And I'm an um, Uber for my kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And your mom on top of everything else. So, um, and today we are going to be discuss, uh, discussing narcissism. So first and foremost, can you define for listeners what narcissism is and then if it's different from narcissistic personality disorder, because I know a lot of people use the two terms interchangeably. Yeah. So it's a buzzword, as you know, that's been kind of all over social media, which is good in one sense and not good in another. Um, I have many debates on um, Instagram and TikTok about this, but, um, you know, I think there, I will, I always preface it by saying this. I think there is something really beneficial for survivors telling their stories. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's really important that they get that out. Um, I also think that there's a difference, obviously, between talking about your very valid story and feelings versus using it as your therapy, as other people using other stories as their therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's great to use in addition to, but not solely as your therapy. So, narcissism by itself um, can mean a whole host of different things. We all have narcissistic traits, right? So you and I doing this podcast in this, you know, in this specific, um, you know, topic and, and this, you know, the mental health domain, we can talk about that. We understand it, right? So like, that's where maybe our narcissistic traits would come out more because it's mm-hmm. where we're experts, right? So, mm-hmm. Um, somebody who's like a professional athlete, like that's when they're, when they're 
you know, playing a match or playing a game, like that's where they're show. So it narcissistic traits um, are not necessarily bad or unhealthy. It makes us motivated. It makes us successful. Um, I mean, you know, sometimes maybe it can come off as cocky or it can come off as selfish, um, but it's not a bad thing. And I, I don't like saying healthy narcissism because I think with the buzzword of narcissistic personalities that are being thrown around, I think that makes it even more confusing. But I don't think having narcissistic traits is bad. And the difference is you and I, you know, we do this podcast, but then if we go um, to take, you know, uh, I don't know, a tennis lesson and we've never played tennis in our entire life, we're going to reel our stuff back in and be able, to, you know, to, to learn and take stuff in and know what we don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're fine with not knowing what, you know, so it's kind of yeah. like we're, we're sponges. We can take that and we have that awareness. Somebody who has narcissistic personality disorder is somebody who has a whole host of symptoms and traits that are pervasive across every single domain of their life in every single interaction, every single relationship in everything that they do. So, you know, whereas somebody may be confident in, in an area, they, they're in that area. And then it doesn't affect mm-hmm. relationships or anything like that. It's just in that one area. Whereas narcissistic personality disorder, it is a pervasive style of interacting with somebody else that is extremely maladaptive um, and extremely toxic. And so the difference is narcissistic personality disorder, we'll obviously talk about this, but yeah. one of the underlying um, kind of you know, the hallmark of narcissistic personality disorder is this lack of remorse, lack of empathy, yep. manipulation, deliberately doing whatever you need to do to get what you want, no matter who you have to hurt in the process to get it. And these kind of thinking you're, you know, bigger and better than, than everyone's grandiose ideas. Um, whereas narcissistic traits have really nothing to do with that when mm-hmm. you really break it down. It really is. It's a totally different thing. So we have to be careful throwing, throwing that around. Thank you so much for talking about that because, you know, obviously as psychologists, like you said, we know that there's a difference, but I think especially with social media, which we'll get into a little later, like people throw around the term like narcissism, narcissist, and like it's all bad. But to your point, we all have narcissistic tendencies. Like it is a personality trait. It's a personality, right. And here's the thing to keep in mind too. It's like, you know, we've all been through breakups, right? And they mm-hmm. suck and they're devastating and they're horrible. And and I think what people need to understand is, and I, I don't, when I say this, I don't mean to minimize abuse at all. Mm-hmm. Even in toxic, abusive relationships, that still doesn't mean the person has narcissistic personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Narcissistic personality disorder and narcissistic abuse is so different and mm-hmm. complicated and complex than toxic relationships. And not that the other, you know, toxic relationships and abuse and that is is less. It's not. It's equally as, you know, traumatizing. But it's a very unique, different type of abuse. And so sometimes I think what happens is people will, let's say, um, they'll be cheated on, they'll be lied to, they'll be manipulated, they'll be abused. Or they'll be treated, you know, badly and, and the person will be mean. Somebody can easily be an asshole, <laughs> cheat on you, right? Steal all your money and still not be a narcissist, yeah. right? Like I think what happens is people are throwing narcissists on people who are assholes, mm-hmm. but it, but that doesn't make them a narcissist. It just makes them an asshole. 
Exactly. Exactly. No, no. And I know <laughs> I we'll know probably to put it. <laughs> no, no, that's great. And I know we'll dive yeah, probably yeah. deeper into that when we kind of talk about misconceptions <laughs> and social media and things like that. But it's so true. Cause like, yeah, I see on social media all the time. It's like, like not every person you don't like, or that has ever done something mean to you is a narcissist. Correct. Like, Correct. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I am so interested. How did you get into working with narcissism, narcissistic abuse, like all of that? Because it's such a special niche. Yeah. So I I I started out working with adults, anxiety and depression mm-hmm. mostly, and relationship issues. Um, I've always been fascinated by personality disorders in general, um, but I didn't you know, it, it, working with personality disorders and narcissistic personality disorders is a different thing when it comes to therapy, but mm-hmm. personality disorders are very, as you know, they're very difficult to, to work with. Like they're very, you really have to um, understand it, understand the etiology, understand the nuances of it, or you end up can doing, you end up doing, I think more harm than good if you don't understand personality disorders and you try to treat them. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, I, when I went into private practice many moons ago, um, I tended to see a lot more females than men. And a lot of women were coming in. Again, I have a bias sample because people are not coming in for healthy relationships. Um, they were coming in and and there was a, like a subset of, of women who would come in and talk about their experiences in these abusive relationships. And you knew that they were different from other types of abusive relationships. And I'd be listening to this, listening to this, and I'm like, this is all narcissistic abuse. I'm like I didn't, I mean, I don't know about you, but when, when we learned about personality disorders I, in grad school, at least I didn't learn about narcissistic personality disorder it, because it was, it was, it was so um, like not, I don't want to say not around, but like it just, mm-hmm. it was borderline personality disorder. That's yes. what we learned about. We learned and how to treat borderline maybe. personality disorder and anti, right. And, and, but narcissistic personality disorder, I think because it was perceived to be like so rare, right? Mm-hmm. Such a small subset of the population. No one really talked about it. And in fact, when we learned about it, it was more about like the grandiose kind of malignant narcissist that like you would like know right away when you saw. I never heard the word covert narcissism mm-hmm. ever in grad school. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew what it no. was, but we never learned about it. So I'm in, you know, I'm working with these women. I'm like, this is narcissistic personality disorder. I'm like, wow. All right. So I remember talking to colleagues and saying, do you see this? Like, maybe it's just a function of like where my practice is and Mm -hmm. the types of people that I see. And, um, but kind of this, this was pre pandemic and and kind of the consensus was, no, it's, it's, it's there. And I'm like, God, is this like majorly underdiagnosed? And Mm -hmm. we all kind of were like, yeah, it is because narcissists, as we know, don't come in for treatment. So it's not like they're part of these clinical trials and Mm -hmm. these studies. And, um, so when the pandemic hit, um, well, even before that, so we started posting more about narcissism, um, but not directly. It was more about toxic relationships and kind of these nuanced behaviors that narcissists would do. And it just blew up. Mm-hmm. And I realized like there is n- very few people educating people about narcissistic abuse. There mm-hmm. really was very little because again, toxic relationships, abusive relationships look and feel different than narcissistic mm-hmm. abuse. And so th- th- nobody was talking about it as much as they should have been. And so I started posting about it and then 
you know, I, well, I don't say ironic. Well, I guess ironically, but my, my closest friend in the world, like my sister um, at the time was going through a horrific breakup with her husband who was oh, a very, very, very severe narcissist. And um, I had front row seats and it mm-hmm. was absolutely horrifying. And I'm saying this even as a psychologist, it was yeah. horrifying. And so I really, I remember thinking like, okay, I need to start to educate people. And almost like I looked at it as preventative medicine because Mm -hmm. I wanted people to be able to identify what it was ahead of time so that you don't get into this. Because once you're in it, even when you get out of it, if you get out of it, it's a lifelong healing process. And so I really made an effort to kind of do that. And so during the pandemic, um, you know, domestic violence rates went through the roof yep. because people couldn't get out of their house, the house. Um, and they were stuck home with them and the kids. And, 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 it, and I think that's when people really needed to hear about it. And so that's kind of, you know, when it really started to, to get out there. And I think over the last three years, you've seen that explosion all over social media for better yeah. or worse. Um, but that's kind of how this transpired. That's a long-winded answer, but that's how that transpired. No, no. <laughs> I love that. And I love hearing people's stories of how like they end up specializing in what they do because yeah. I feel like so many of us end up in a different place than we thought. Like you said, you uh, know, you started with I adults started, with depression and anxiety. I started in like I even even before that, I started out in ger- like in grad school, I started out in geriatrics. Like, oh, wow. I, like I started in I started out in hospice. I worked on hospice. I worked in like nursing homes. And then that morphed into general adult. And I just knew the whole time I just I definitely don't want to work with kids. That's all I knew. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, no, ab- absolutely. But no, you you hit so many good points. And like to your point, and this is what I was going to say, like the only thing I remember from grad school about learning about narcissistic personality disorder other than the DSM criteria is that they don't go to therapy. Yeah. Like Correct. I, I, they don't change. They don't go to therapy. That's all you knew. And that's probably why we honestly, we never learned about it because you can't treat it really. So yeah. like, what what are you going to do? Like, I really think that's why they skipped over it. I swear. They never yeah. looked at the, the victims of abuse or the survivors of abuse. Absolutely. So you said a few moments ago that like, you really want to focus on, especially with your social media platform, like the prevention, people learning the like signs and symptoms. So can you describe some of those signs, symptoms, mm-hmm. patterns of behaviors that may indicate somebody is truly a narcissist? Sure. So this is why this is so tricky because nobody is immune from the charm of a narcissist. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Like even it doesn't matter how much you know about it, right? Like it's you're still going to feel that pull and because here's why. So in the beginning when a narcissist shows up, let's say in romantic relationships and intimate relationships and even in friendships, pa- family parents is a whole different ball game. So mm-hmm. um but in intimate relationships, when you meet somebody that's a narcissist in the beginning, they don't, they're not abusive. They're charming. They mm-hmm. are um, doting. They are, you know, everything that you want in somebody. And there's a reason for that. They, they're, they're, somebody had said this um, on Instagram and I thought it was like the perfect word for it. They're shapeshifters. Like okay. they, they mold to whatever you need. So if I'm talking about how like, you know, I just got out of a divorce and, you know, they were never there for the kids and, um, you know, they would leave me for weeks at a time. A narcissist is going to say, I love kids so much. I love being around them all the time. They're going to 
fit the puzzle into the other, you know, they're going to fit it together to make it like, oh my God, wait, this is exactly what I need. So they come up very charming, very sweet. Um, They, they, they make you feel so comfortable, so fast that you mistake that for a good fit. And, you know, they, they kind of do that so that they can get your vulnerability, vulnerability, vulnerabilities early and store it for later use to hold against you. Um, and listen, like, who doesn't want to be told that they're amazing and beautiful Absolutely. and, you know, a soulmate? And I mean, we all want that, right, to some extent. So it feels good, right? They're, they're constantly wanting to see you. The sex is amazing. They're buying you gifts. They're taking you to dinner. So it feels great. And that's the problem. Um, it's not like people are like seeing the abusive side of them. So it's, um, it's very tricky in the beginning. Very, very tricky. But the best way I can describe it is it's not going to feel like you met somebody and you have this amazing connection. It's going to feel like a tidal wave. It's going to be like a whirlwind. It's going to feel really fast. It's going to feel intense. It's going to be um, that like, you know, and I've talked about this before, how Disney really screwed us all up. It's going to feel like a Disney fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be constant and it's just going to feel intense and good. And so that's that's kind of how I tell people to notice the difference. There's going to be nothing organic about it. And okay. if you feel, you know, I know people are listening saying, like, well, I met my, you know, my quote soulmate on date one and I knew it. And I think there's some cognitive distortions in that, meaning mm-hmm. I think people in retrospect look back and say like, yes, I think I knew they were the one because now they've been married for 10 years. Yeah. But if you hear the word soulmate, if you hear I've been waiting for you my whole life, if you hear, um, you know, we have like our own language. This is so crazy. I've never met anyone like this before. And it's on, it's in like the first couple months run because y- y- you really, um, how do you know someone's your soulmate when you really know nothing about them? Mm-hmm. It doesn't even logically make sense. It feels good. It feels great. We all want that mm-hmm. quote fairy tale, but that fairy tale doesn't exist. Like I, I don't even need to sound pessimistic. Like that yeah. Disney fairy tale doesn't exist. Tell me where Cinderella is. I always say there's like 20 years from like falling in love on day one. Like, mm-hmm. you know, or like it just it, Anna with when I watch it Frozen with my girls, I like had to explain to them like that's not normal to fall in love with someone in five seconds because you said the same word together, right? Like yeah. it doesn't work like that. And then he ended up wanting to kill her. So like, it's just, <laughs> it's not, it's not healthy. <laughs> so um, those would be the symptoms I, in the beginning yeah. I tell people to look for. Absolutely. And I love that you um, brought that up because that is what, and I obviously don't specialize in narcissism or narcissistic personality disorder, but you do hear that from people and you, you actually hear this from, you know, your own clients that like everything was perfect at the beginning. It like yes. was a dream yes. come true. And now yes. they're manipulative, yes. abusive, yes. lying, all and, of that. And, the, and the, the sad part too, and the tricky part, and this is the part that's traumatizing, you know, in addition to all the other abuse, but this part's really kind of, this one shakes you to your core because people stay in these relationships with the, with the goal of trying to get it back to where it used to be in the beginning mm-hmm. during the love bombing phase. And the problem with that is it's not like the person got comfortable with you. And so they let things start to slip or, you know, they, now they're not happy or now it, it has nothing to do with that. That person you met in the beginning 
never existed. That mm-hmm. wasn't real. That was a facade. That was an act. It was a deliberate manipulative strategy to suck you in. The person you see now, the abusive person, that's who they always were. Mm-hmm. And so it's very difficult, I think, for survivors to acknowledge that one, they were duped. And two, that person never existed. That's like, a, mm-hmm. it's a really hard thing to, to kind of to take in. Oh, absolutely. And as somebody that works with narcissistic abuse survivors, like obviously you have heard so many stories and seen the impact, but can you talk about the impact that narcissistic personality disorder, narcissistic abuse has on relationships? Because I imagine it's horrific. You said it. You said it. Absolutely devastating. Yeah. You said a moment ago, it's lifelong healing. Lifelong healing. It's traumatizing. It's not the type of thing where you, get out of it as you, you know, regroup and it takes you a while and you're, you know, you're back on your feet and you're like, I can do better. You know, this, this person was a jerk and I can, I can do better. Mm-hmm. This, you know, this woman, you know, tormented me, but I'm good now. And I can, it's not like that. They systematically um, break you down. They manipulate you, distort your reality so much so that when you come out of it, you you know, people always report feeling like a shell of their former self, Mm -hmm. their sense of self, their self identity is gone. They have been, it's, you know, it's like, it's brainwashing in a sense. So you come out of it, you don't even know what your favorite color is, what music you like, you know, what ice cream flavor you like, because you were told what you like, and then systematically programmed almost to believe those things to be true. Um, so people come out of this and they have a very distorted sense of themselves and, and reality and their world. Um, and then they see this person just with somebody else now, you know, love bombing. So it, the whole thing is just very, um, it's so traumatizing for people. And then in addition to that, um, realizing that the whole relationship was in a sense, not, I don't want to say not real, but like people say, oh my God, so that whole relationship was fake. And that's a lot of the statement I hear all the time from people. Um, The abuse was very real. Yes. Mm -hmm. Experiences were very real. Um, But the relationship itself with a true narcissist, um, you're an object, you're Mm -hmm. a replaceable object. There is no connection to you. Um, There were no feelings towards you. You were you existed to serve a purpose at any given time, you you know, you're an object. And so you, it's handled very differently. And then I also think that um, when people who are in narcissistic abusive relationships are either in them or out of them, there is such a high rate of physical illness as well, because you're constantly on guard, right? You're Mm -hmm. constantly um, are they going to hit me? Are they not going to hit me? Are they going to yell at me, not yell at me? They change the rules constantly. So you never know what you're going to get. So you can make dinner one night and it's their favorite meal. And you know that, but just because they just decide to mess with you and throw the plate against the wall and say, you're, you know, horrible wife or you're a horrible husband, um, yeah. you know, for no reason whatsoever. So while you're trying to figure out the rules, they're changing them and that's on purpose. Mm-hmm. So you never, you never know what you're going to get. And being on that constant fight or flight mode really messes with our physical health. So your heart mm-hmm. rate, your blood pressure, um, 
it literally changes your, your brain chemistry. It changes mm-hmm. your brain function. So you come out of that, you constantly, your brain is still constantly thinking you're in danger. So yeah. it's functioning. It's causing your body to function in that way. So there's a lot of health issues that come with that sleep issues because narcissists will deliberately mess with your sleep. So you come out of that, um, you know, your sleep is often when you don't sleep, as we know, you get physically sick. So there's so many other things just then the, the mental health part of this. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love that you brought up the physical health part. I'm very into talking about how our mental and physical health are intertwined and yeah, it it makes sense with everything. you said. Like if you are constantly looking over your shoulder on edge, not sleeping, all of those things. And I would imagine that everything you just said, the, you know, you can make the favorite dinner and one night they love it. Then the next night they throw a plate across the floor, the love bombing, all of that also is why mm-hmm. it's so hard to leave. Cause it's like, well, when Correct. it's good, it's really, really good. But when it's yes. bad, it's awful. But then also I don't know who I am without this person. And yes. I'm sure there's in some relationships, financial yeah. abuse and manipulation. I was as well. say, yeah. oh. <laughs> they make, yeah, no, they make it so that you, you, you financially can't leave. So, mm-hmm. you know, they may, they may not, you know, people are like, what do you mean they won't let you work? Well, when you're abused and you're scared and someone says you're not going to work, you you listen, right? Yeah. And so you don't work for 20, 30 years and you have no earning potential. You have no income. You don't have access to your finances. You don't even know what your finances are. I mean, I a lot of times, more women than men in this particular case, they, they don't leave because they, they have no financial resources, none. Mm-hmm. Um, they're isolated from family and friends, so they don't have anyone to go to. I mean, it's just really, it's really upsetting and it's really sad. Um, but, you know, they, the model that you kind of described this never knowing what you're going to get is very similar to an addiction model yep. because, you know, it's like gambling, right? It's like that mm-hmm. intermittent reinforcement you never know what you're going to get. And so you're constantly on guard. So when it is good, you get these like hits of dopamine, right? And so it's addictive because you're constantly trying to get that again, but you have no control over when you're going to get it. And that's why it's so hard to leave. There's actually like a, a chemical response to that you're fighting against with this. Yeah. Wow. So Kind of shifting gears, but I know we've already brought this up, that narcissism is a buzzword on social media. So what do you think about it? Like, are there any benefits of people talking about it? Um, What are the harms of people using the term or misusing the term so frequently? I would love to hear your thoughts because I know you get into arguments sometimes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, so um, I actually just posted a reel the, the other day about this because it's interesting. Whenever I post about narcissistic personality disorder, it's always like non-descriptive, whether it's male or female, right? Mm-hmm. I never say anything about male or female. I just, you know, say, yeah. present facts, right? Um, and if I do say something specifically about male or female, I'll specifically say female, male, but it's, but, but in general, it's just neutral. Mm-hmm. And I cannot tell you how many times I get comments about how it's male bashing and it's women do it too. And I'm like, I never mentioned. So I did a reel the other day saying like, you know, guys, if you go back and you listen, not once do I mention anything about Mm -hmm. male, female, nothing. I mentioned that. And it was really funny because the, 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 it was like crickets from the people that usually sit. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so I think I think it's, 
I think there's a couple things that happen with the whole narcissism thing on, on social media. I think it's really helpful, like I said, for survivors to hear other survivors' stories. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So they don't feel alone. They feel validated. Um, but I also think there is a big difference between, and this is, I think, where I get pushback, but there's a big difference between understanding narcissistic personality disorder from a superficial um, presentation mm-hmm. versus understanding the nuances of behavioral reinforcement, of reinforcement schedules, of, mm-hmm. you know, of uh, the, the actual behavioral like, underpinnings of, of, of narcissistic personality disorder. And I think that's where people who talk about narcissism versus people who talk about narcissistic personality disorder and the nuanced behaviors and how to approach it and deal with it. I think that's where it differs because mm-hmm. you cannot deal with narcissistic abuse through self-love. Like mm-hmm. I can't, I can't, <laughs> it like makes my blood boil. Because if mm-hmm. you think that it's, if you are able as a survivor of narcissistic abuse to get back on track by loving yourself more, I have never in all my experience ever seen that. I don't even know what that means. Like, yeah. I, I don't <laughs> even know what that means, right? So I, I think that that's the danger is that you, you, if you don't understand that and you're listening to people talk about this and you're probably thinking like, well, all right, I know all these things. I know they were horrible to me but I can't get over it. I still mm-hmm. love them. And now I feel horribly shameful and guilty that I still love them knowing they were that bad for me. And all these people are talking about how they're jerks and, you know, or how these women are, you know, manipulative and how you need to leave them and move on with your life. And that's great. Logically, you know that. Mm-hmm. But chemically and behaviorally, it doesn't work like that. And so I yeah. think that's the danger is sometimes it leaves people feeling like something's wrong with them because they can't get through this. They can't get over this. Mm-hmm. I mean, trauma doesn't allow you to get over anything. You have to move forward alongside this trauma because this trauma changed you. Mm-hmm. There is no going back. Like you, you, yeah. you are a different person and you need to move forward with that, um, not fight against it. Mm-hmm. No, and I think that speaks to something we touched on a little bit earlier about like just because somebody's an asshole doesn't mean they're a narcissist. So yeah, you might be able to Correct. get over a relationship with an asshole if they're an asshole. Exactly, love, I guess, or like exactly, just, you know, exactly. versus somebody that experience at however long or short the relationship is. But Correct. you just use an example, like if you've been in this relationship for thirty years, yep. stay at home, have no like. Yeah, no. If you have no idea who you are, no financial stuff, you, like self love is not going to get you out of homelessness. Not even that, but like you don't, you don't. You, right, it's correct. It's it's very behavioral, and I think that's the part where, nar- like narcissistic, non mental health experts mm-hmm. differ. Mm-hmm. Not better or worse, just yeah, differ. differ. Um, you know, it's it. Because a lot of it, when I, the work that I do with my patients is very has very little to do with self love. It yeah. has to do with very clear cut behavioral strategies of how to set boundaries and deal with the manipulation in the moments. Mm-hmm. I I mean I don't think the word I mean 
regardless, the word self-love never comes out of my mouth because I have such problems with those cliches because, you know, even for like depression, like, I mean, if you're going to tell somebody who's clinically depressed, like to, to, to write every morning what they're grateful for and practice self-love. I mean, you're talking about somebody who literally thinks that there is nothing good in their world and can't mm-hmm. brush their teeth. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, that's not where we start. That's good yes. for somebody who's having, you know, who's like trying to, you know, reframe their experiences and try to like grow as a person. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you're talking about clinical diagnoses, it, you, you, that's not where you start. And so it's the yeah. same thing for narcissistic personality disorder. That's just not where you start. Mm-hmm. And it also gives people the misconception that, and I see this a lot with survivors, they they have this, and understandably so, they have this this perception that if they do enough research on why their significant other did what they did, that it'll somehow make it better for them. It may give you an explanation as to why they did what they did and how they operated, but that's not, it it will make you realize it's, it's, it's separate from you. But if you ask any of, you know, the people that I've worked with, they can predict the patterns a mile away. But if you mm-hmm. ask them if they still feel that they deserved it or that they maybe did something wrong or something's wrong with them, they're still going to say yes. Yeah. So, you know, it's 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 not just being able to identify the behaviors and doing the research. It's important, yeah. but it's, it's not all of it. Mm-hmm. And you just touched on some great misconceptions, especially that you've seen on social media. Are there other misconceptions that you hear frequently about either narcissism, narcissistic personality disorder, narcissistic abuse itself? I mean, I'm sure there's plenty out there. So I think one of the biggest things that I I deal with is is that it's men who are mostly narcissists. And that's that's just not true. Um, I think there's a reason why it appears that way. I think women are more likely to come into treatment or more likely to report abuse than, than men. Um, I think that male narcissists tend to be more, and not that women narcissists are not physically violent. They are, Mm -hmm. they are, you know, sexually abusive. They are men tend to be more physically abusive and sexually abusive, um, than women, women manipulate just as much as male narcissists, but kind of, it it looks a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think there's that. And I also think there's a big misconception that narcissists go for weak-minded people. They go for people that are, um, you know, dependent and clingy or needy or have low self-esteem. And, and to be honest, narcissists will go for anyone. They don't. Mm-hmm. They don't give a shit who they go for. Um, I think the misconception is that initially, narcissists generally, if if you really like break it down, they tend to go for people who are very intelligent, mm-hmm. successful attractive, um, you know, have a presence about them, you know, who uh, maybe are really well known for something or what they do and just, you know, because they want to share that limelight, but also Mm -hmm. they get more supply from breaking somebody down who was up higher Okay. And they, you know, that's mm-hmm. why a lot of times also they, they like going for married people. They want to disrupt the relationship. Like there's, there's a lot of, um, there's more, there's, there's more height to fall from. And they, mm-hmm. and they, they like that if you, you know, but I think the misconception is that once they break that person down, now that person's self-esteem, self-concept, all of that is very low. Yeah. And so I think that that's, and they can't leave. And I think that's why people assume that narcissists go for 
you know, um, people who are insecure with low Mm self-esteem, they weren't like that in the beginning. Mm -hmm. That's the misconception. Um, So I think that there's, there's, um, there's that as well. I think that's a big, big, big myth. Also, one of my favorite ones is that narcissists can't control their anger. Yes, they can. They okay. 100% control their anger because of the simple fact that they can turn it off anytime they want. Mm-hmm. They don't lose it and are unable to control their rage. Their rage, their anger is done at very specific times for very specific reasons to scare or manipulate you in very particular situations. Mm-hmm. Someone walks into that house, they'd shut it right off. So they absolutely can control their anger. And yes, they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's, it's not, un- you know, well, I'm say that just speaks- they know what they're doing. Yeah. It speaks to what you said very early on in this uh, conversation when I asked like signs, symptoms, like the love bombing phase, like if somebody's getting really angry at you in the first couple months because they can't mm-hmm. control their anger, yes. most likely you would leave. Correct. But- <laughs> so Correct. if they can control it for months on end during Correct. that phase where yes. they're showering you with gifts, saying they yes. love you, all that kind of yes. stuff. So um, I Correct. appreciate you bringing up all of those misconceptions. Yeah. Um, so I know you work with narcissistic abuse survivors and we've kind of said mm-hmm. like, oh, narcissists don't show up in therapy. Is there any treatment for narcissistic personality disorder? Do these people ever end up in therapy or is it the survivors of their abuse? I'm going to say 99.9% of the time it's the survivors. Um, but most of the time when they come in, they don't realize what they're coming in for that, you know, they'll come in and say, you know, at least before when I was working with anxiety, depression, they come in and say they're depressed and they're anxious. And then we break it down. I realized what was going on. Um, but narcissists, you know, you'll see again, here's another social media thing. You'll see I follow, I think there's one or two accounts that I follow that are narcissists who say they are self-aware narcissists and that they are in therapy and that they use their platform to break down narcissistic abuse as a narcissist. Like here's what the narcissist is thinking and here's what they're doing and here's why. But here's the thing. Narcissists are self-aware. Yeah, they know exactly what they're doing. That's the thing. So can they be in therapy? Yeah, they can. It's so rare. And if you are Mm -hmm. waiting for your narcissistic partner to get into therapy, it will likely never happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, and I've had people say to me, you know, you're a psychologist, you should be ashamed of yourself, you're stigmatizing mental health. Um, You know, these are these are wounded people, too. And so here's what I say to that. I'm just reporting the symptoms. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like I'm just reporting what it looks like. It it sounds so bad because it is that bad. Yeah. Right. Second of all, I mean, listen, if I say to one of my patients who's sitting, you know, across from me telling me how they were raped every night by their husband, they mm-hmm. were physically abused, emotionally abused, their children were. Be- and I say to them, I know, but here's the thing. Your ex is a wounded human. I, I mean, I, I, I just got I like say that. So physical. Correct. Symptoms. I was like, that's so invalidating. Correct. That's so invalidating. So here, here's the thing. It's not like narcissists don't know what they're doing. Yeah. That's, I think what people don't understand. They, they know exactly what they're doing. So 
in order for them to change and make meaningful change, it's not, I think people think that if they understand what they're doing, they won't want to hurt the person and they'll want to change. They know what they're doing. They don't yeah. give a shit that they're hurting the person. They don't care. Um, there's zero motivation for them to change. Here's when they come to therapy, when it's court mandated. Okay. And even then they don't, they fake Engage. it. Engage, yeah. Or, or, and I say never go to couples therapy with a narcissist. Okay. Never go to couples therapy with a narcissist. They'll show up in couples therapy. They'll either manipulate the therapist because the therapist to no father doesn't understand the nuances of narcissistic mm-hmm. personality disorder. Like, cause we didn't learn it in grad school, right? Like, we, like this was not right. Um, or their partner who is abused daily in some way, shape or form has to go home with this person. You think they're going to sit there and talk about the abuse and the manipulation mm-hmm. that goes on at home? Uh-uh, no way. Yeah. And because of that, the therapist is going to say, well, it looks like they're really trying. Maybe you should go on a date night. And it's so invalidating. So yeah. they show up in couples therapy or they maybe show up once because they don't like how they feel because they're angry or depressed or mm-hmm. anxious about something, but then they don't come back once they're figured out, right? Like okay. once the therapist yeah. knows like, okay, this is the deal. So I work with the survivors. I work with the people mm-hmm. that are in the relationships. Um, narcissists, they're, you know, as far as treatment goes, it's very hard as a psychologist to say this about any diagnosis because it's what we do for a living, right? We yeah. make people feel and function and live better. So for me to say that there's very little you can do for this mm-hmm. is really difficult, but there's yeah. very little you can do for this. Mm-hmm. Um, to make a meaningful change and sustainable change, even with like an expert, it, yeah, it, it's best to work with the other person in terms of setting yeah. boundaries than it is to work with a narcissist because it's not mm-hmm. going to happen. Yeah. No, and that and that is hard because, you know, I know this is such a cliche, but most of us go into this field because we like people, and we want to help people yeah. and things like that. But I love that you are working with the survivors, the people in the relationships and helping them because even if yeah. your partner can't or will not or does not want to change, you're still making an impactful change with the person yeah. that I mean, experienced the abuse. They- they feel they are entitled to mm-hmm. everything that they're doing. And if it's wrong, it's because, well, you did X, Y, and Z. So this is what you get. Yeah. It, it, there's no accountability ever. Mm-hmm. So to be in therapy, you know, when you have no accountability, it doesn't, it doesn't work. It just wouldn't yeah. work. Mm-mm. No, absolutely not. Well, Jamie, this has been a amazing conversation and I know I could ask you so many questions, but as we're wrapping <laughs> up, is there anything I haven't asked you about that you really want to touch on um, about narcissism, narcissistic personality disorder, narcissistic yeah. abuse, anything? I think what I what I always like to tell people is that, you know, it 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 is it is that bad, right? Mm-hmm. Um at the same time, I have worked with so many people who have come out on the other side who have, you know, are still working on it, obviously, mm-hmm. because it really does a number on you, right? But um, there is light at the end of the tunnel, right? There yeah. are ways to move forward. There all there are ways to move on. You will be able to feel healthy again physically and emotionally. Um, like I said, it's a process, it's a journey, but I I can tell you from experience working with people that there absolutely is so much room to do better, feel better, live better. So, you know, I want people listening who may be in this situation who feel like 
even if they are not in the relationship anymore, they still feel so terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, you won't always feel like that. Like the, for the, the more time spent away from that inconsistent reinforcement, the more time spent away from that abuse, the healthier you will become over time. I love that. And I love that you end with like a message of hope because yeah, because yeah. it's, it's so like you heavy. said, it is that bad. It's so heavy. It yeah. is that bad. And it's so heavy. You know, and sometimes even on social media, I'm like, God, I need to take a break. Let me post puppies. <laughs> like, it's just so yeah. heavy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but there is so, light at the end of the tunnel, like you said. Yes. Um, so. Yes. Yeah. So the last question I love to ask all my guests is where can uh-huh. people connect with you? Where can they follow you? Um, I know you have your private practice. Anything else? You have a podcast. Anything else you want to plug? And I'll put it all in the show notes. Um. Yeah. So I am on Instagram, Dr. Z underscore psychologist. Um, I post a whole, you know, bunch of stuff on narcissism, but I also post a bunch of stuff, you know, and other stuff on, mm-hmm. you know, anxiety, depression, boundary setting, um, things like that. And my podcast is it's me, Dr. Z again, same kind of, you know, talk about narcissism, but also talk about a whole host of other things. And you can find that wherever you get your podcasts. I have a link in my Instagram bio, my website, drjamiezuckerman.com. Um, and I have two workbooks on Amazon for goal setting and, um, anxiety management strategies. Awesome. And I will link all of those in the show show notes. So, uh, Dr. Z, thank you so much for coming on and talking. Thank you. I've learned a lot and, um, I appreciate you taking time to educate us all on narcissistic personality. (laughs) No problem. Thank you. And thank you, the listeners, for joining for today's episode of Psych Talk, and I will catch you in the next episode. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Psych Talk. I hope you found so much value. If you loved what you heard or gained some knowledge, I would love for you to take a screenshot, put it on your Instagram stories, and tag me at Jessica Lee PhD. Additionally, I would be honored if you leave a review and five-star rating so I can continue to help this podcast grow. If you are not already, follow me on Instagram and join my Facebook community, Grow Through What You Go Through. Thank you for joining me today, and I cannot wait for you to join me during the next episode. Remember, you are loved, you are worthy, and you are braver than you know.